<laughs> well, the thing I don't, you know, I've actually seen like that kind of special effect used to represent superhuman speed, but it never, but it never, like I, I believe there's something similar that the Necromongers do in Chronicles of Riddick, where they're like sort of in two places at once, and you can see like the stretch between them. And the thing I don't like about that is because of that stretch, it actually makes them look slower. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is the theme song to the sequel cast is performed and written by Mark with the C. Check out his latest album, Motherfuckers Be Bullshitting, at markwithac.bandcamp.com. Now we return you to the sequel cast. Dawson squeal like a stuffed pig when he dies. Are you willing to pay the price? She cried like a little girl when I cut him pieces. You will frighten the crowd. You will. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a show that talks about movies in a franchise, one film at a time. I'm your host, uh, Matt. Uh, we're in the we have a website at sequelcast.com. You can also look us up at facebook.com/sequelcast. You can also, if you go to sequelcast.com, you can check out some of our sponsors. We are an Amazon affiliate, so if you go to sequelcast.com, look on the left side there and click the Amazon link. Uh, next time you do your Amazon shopping, you uh, we get a little cut of that, and it helps out the show. And uh, also, we're partners with Stitcher. If you go to stitcher.com slash sequelcast, you can uh, sign up with Stitcher, which is an app that lets you stream a podcast on your computer, on your phone, whatever. And uh, you might get a chance to win $100. That's at stitcher.com slash sequelcast. Is that $100 American dollars? Uh, $100 American dollars, and I believe it's open to uh, U.S. Uh, residents only, or possibly Canadian. Um, we do have a lot of European listeners to the sequelcast. Uh, that's one thing I know. So Very cool. And that you heard just there is Thrasher. Hello, everybody. And uh, so in the sequel cast, we're in the middle of looking at the Highlander films. We're wrapping it up this episode with a look at the uh, made-for-sci-fi channel TV film Highlander The Source. We're going to cover that briefly and kind of hopscotch between the various and numerous Highlander TV series, animated series, uh, so on. We are putting a bow on this franchise by kind of doing an episode about all the other Highlander stuff. Right, right. So, um, and, and this is an episode where I've seen Highlander the Source. Uh, Thrasher, sadly, was not able to get a copy of it. That is so indeed true. It, it'll be a bit like him asking me about it, I guess. Might be a different way to go about it. Will um, I ask you about it? Uh, yeah, why not? At some point. I guess I'll, I'll start just talking about it. So Highlander the Source was meant to be a kickoff, a start of a new trilogy of films uh, for theaters. But it took a really long time to put together. It was really hard to get the money for it. And at the end, for budget reasons, they had to do it as a made-for-sci-fi channel uh, TV movie. Um, it's directed by Brett Leonard, who uh, people might know better as directing The Lawnmower Man, starring Pierce Brosnan. 
like Highlander Endgame, it stars Adrian Paul as uh, Duncan McCloud, who was the lead actor on the TV series. And uh, it also has a few other actors from the TV show that happen to be in Highlander Endgame, such as uh, Jim Burns as Joe Dawson. He was kind of the, the big guy in the truck with the computer. He was one of the watchers. And also Mythos, uh, played by Peter Winfield, um, who was another watcher, sort of the skinny guy in the motorcycle from Highlander Endgame. But Highlander the Source takes place uh, in the future. It's a bit more science fiction-y. If Highlander the Quickening was uh, had the set design of Blade Runner, Highlander the Source looks a little bit like uh, Mad Max on the cheap, which is ironic because the Mad Max films are very cheap uh, for them to make at the time. And it's post-apocalyptic. There's still humans, there's still immortals running around, but society seems to be in in tatters. And there is a a group of immortals that are, are good guys trying to get together to try and look at the source. The source. What is the source that makes immortals immortal? And if which they is, can find... Which is not the planet Zeist, I assume. Not the planet Zeist, but I mean, it's a similar concept. You'd have to agree, Thrasher. Mm-hmm. In, in that you're trying to explain an origin, a backstory that everyone... And in this case, you know, it's a it's an origin backstory that everyone hated the first time around. Well, if they hated it once, they'll be indifferent towards it twice. Uh, that must have been the producer's hope with Highlander the Source. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, in, in, as we said, Highlander Endgame passing the baton from Christopher Lambert of the film series to Adrian Paul, the new were Highlander, even though he had several seasons of a TV show uh, as Duncan McCloud. And, um, and that's when, you know, it's trying to go for a more more gritty tone. Things have a lot of harsh color. There's flashbacks that have a harsh red light to them. There's a lot of harsh blue lighting. Uh, there's a lot of sword fighting. The head sort of uh, bad guy they fight is called the Guardian, played by Christian Solomeno. And um, he, he looks a little bit like a cross between, like, uh, maybe Pinhead from uh, the Hellraiser films. And he looks a little bit like, his mask looks a little bit like Pyramid Head from Silent Hill, uh, those video games in that movie. I'm saying um, the, those flashbacks with the blue and the red light, that's not just from the Earth being under the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation, the S.H.I.E.L.D., is it? No, no, nothing about the S.H.I.E.L.D. It, it was a stylistic choice with the movie because they had very low budget with this one even though it has special effects and all these things. You, you have a practical effect in there that's kind of interesting, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so this movie has a character named Anna Tashemka, who plays Duncan McCloud's mortal wife, who is not a character, I believe, that was ever in the TV show or anything. I do, uh, I do not believe so. And also, yeah. since a Mac- it's, it's a woman a McCloud is married to, I can only assume she dies. Well, that's the thing. You know, this movie, like all the other films, opens with a text scrawl. But this one is actually useful. It gives the three rules uh, about immortals. In that only an immortal can kill another immortal by cutting off their head. When that happens, they absorb the other immortal's power. And uh, immortals cannot have children. It very clearly spells out the rules. Something none men- of the other films ever did. Does it mention the holy ground? Um, no. Hmm. And... and that's actually never brought up in this film about fighting on holy ground, despite the fact that's an important part of the TV series and of uh, the earlier films. 
they it's just so post-apocalyptic. I guess there's no religion. I don't know. Although I guess that wouldn't change the ground, huh? Yeah, it wouldn't. I don't think that would unsacred the ground. So like like if you built a uh, a Safeway shopping grocery store on top of where a, a Buddhist monastery used to be. It still would be holy ground. Um, maybe. I, well, I guess it really... I mean, that's the one thing you know, we, we've talked about, is that they were never exactly clear about whether, you know, for some mystical reason, the immortals literally could not do battle on holy ground, or it was just some sort of honor code they all abided by. But, you know, what... what it, I guess it depends. If, if, if the presence of the Safeway sort of unsacreded the site... Then yeah, I suppose I could I, I I could see it as no longer being holy ground. I, I mean, I, because all the holy ground, all the holy ground that I recall from all the previous movies, uh, it was either an active holy site like a cemetery which was still in use, or or like the Buddhist temple, or it was a site that was no longer being used for its intended purpose, which but which had not been disturbed, like that like the abandoned churches. Right. And, uh, I mean, with the plot of this movie, the good guy Highlanders all kind of are drawn together and find this guy called the Elder that's supposed to tell them, you know, how to find the source. And they see the Elder. He looks almost like a, a cross between a human and Jabba the Hutt. He's just, like, morbidly obese, kind of more of a, a more of a literal interpretation of the blob. Um, he, he has too much neck fat for you to be able to actually cut off his head. That's why he survived so long. <laughs> well, I mean, they explain that he gives like a 15-minute backstory scene with all sorts of flashbacks. And speaking of which, uh, this film is only 86 minutes, including the credits, so it's very, very short. Um, you get this exposition about he was part of a group of good immortals trying to find the source, and uh, it was guarded by the very same guardian that torments the uh, immortals in, in the uh, future time period the film takes place. And when they got there, um, something... Uh, the power of the source of all the immortals' power was too much, and it transformed um, this guy, you know, this, like, fit uh, African-American man in, into a fat uh, sort of blob being. Hmm. And uh, that was his curse, is even though he was immortal, he was like a fat blob man and could never move. And, and yet nobody took advantage of this to cut off his head and take all of his immense power and knowledge. Yeah, it's it's all very silly. I mean, the point is, like, he became the the elder. There's someone else that used to be an elder, and because he killed the elder or something, he becomes a new elder. It's all very con- it's all very weird and confusing and convoluted. And if there's one thing the Highlander movies like is a convoluted backstory, that's something you can find in all Highlander films convoluted backstory and too much of it um so we mentioned there's a except character the first one yeah except the first one oh, it's, yeah yeah the first one does it the best by far uh, so i mentioned there's a character joe that's from the tv show that's a watcher he's kind of a tubby guy with a beard that was in endgame do you remember him thrasher i do call him yes yeah he's a very very small part in endgame and uh he is out there in his truck kind of you know guarding their supplies and he is killed by uh this uh, evil uh, guardian character. Now, I'm, I'm actually kind of upset because the guardian breaks the pattern that the villain's name begins with a K. It does, and um, not only that, uh, and the, the weak special effects really, really hurt this film. Part of the guardian, because uh, he's enveloped a lot of power of the source and all these other Highlander, he's high, or, sorry, immortals that he's killed over the years, is he 
moves with like lightning speed, but it's done with this kind of strobing effect. It looks a bit like when Johnny Cage does his kicks in Mortal Kombat, hmm. where there's a shadow self behind him, and uh, it just looks fake. It looks bad. Well, the thing I don't, you know, I've actually seen like that kind of special effect used to represent superhuman speed. But it never, but it never, like, I, I believe there's something similar that the Necromongers do in Chronicles of Riddick, where they're, like, so right. in two yeah. places at once, yeah. you can see, like, the stretch between them. And the thing I don't like about that is because of that stretch, it actually makes them look slower. You're like, right. It's all more all of a slow motion effect than a fast motion effect. Yeah. I, I think you could almost do it better even if you just faded out the body and have them fade in somewhere else, sort of like with the vampires they like vampires do in movies. Yeah, I mean, I like kind it of, when it's done with, with a good quick cut, you know? Quick cut or a simple camera speed trick. Uh, and of course, you, you have, like, you have some off-key piano chords play, and a cat <laughs> jumps out of nowhere. Meow! Oh my god, it's the Guardian! Oh, it's just a cat. And then Wait, when, they it, cu- when they cut off someone's head, it's just a cassava melon stuffed with dog food with a wig on it, and it looks just like an actual head getting cut off. <laughs> um so I mean yeah and, and and the um in the big exposition scene with the elder they find out that the woman meaning Anna Tashemka Duncan's mortal wife is very important and that deep down inside her she knows where to go so she's kind of their living compass as it were she's kind of the key to the source is what they're saying so using her as a guide they go to these different places uh, Duncan and his wife have sex up against a tree while the Guardian is killing a bunch of his friends. Uh, Methos, or Mythos, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. I'm, I'm not a huge uh, follower of the TV series, as we'll find out later in this episode. And, and you couldn't have bothered to actually listen to him speak his name. This movie is so forgettable. It's like diarrhea. It passed through me right after I watched it. It's, it's a cinematic diarrhea. Cinematic crap. Um, yeah, that that joke went nowhere. Highlander, the source, is a movie. Um, and so, like, that character gets killed, too, by the Guardian. So you have two fan-favorite characters from the TV show get killed in one uh, TV movie, and it's meant to raise the stakes. But it, that's one th- reason why a lot of fans hate this. Another reason is they're they're trying to go to the source. They're trying to explain the origin of the Immortals' powers, uh, it has to do something with... They have to reach an area if all the planets are lined up correctly to gain access to the source. For some reason, around the source, it's filmed in, with a bright red filter. It looks a little bit like Mars. And the closer the immortals get to the source, the more mortal they become. Uh, which, that's kind of an interesting idea, actually. Well, why would the source of their power depower them? I guess because it's so intense. It, because it, it it's a big thing if you get to the source you have to fight the guardian the only way you can you can kill the guardian is if he's mortal but you have to be mortal as well hmm. like i said it's complicated does this yeah. sound like a movie you'd want to watch thrasher not exactly i mean i, I wasn't necessarily <laughs> thrilled to watch it i mean I, I i will freely admit i was having a a heavy amount of franchise fatigue going through at this point in the series if I could ask you this, do they... Okay, so so the source is is the origin of the Immortal's power. Yep. Do they actually explain the origin of the source, where it comes from? Nope. Okay. They don't. Uh, you get a weird scene, very reminiscent of Mad Max, uh, before they get to the area of the source, 
where there's a businessman trapped in a stack of tires and you get these sort of like gutter punks with spiky neon colored hair laughing at him and the immortals all decide to help this businessman it's like a scene it's like an, an excuse to have action in there the action in this movie is a bit punchy it's okay but it's not it's not great I thought the action in Highlander uh, Endgame was, was, a, was a good bit better actually but um, it, this whole thing comes across as really amateur hour so do uh, you mind if we get to the end of the film already <laughs> yeah let's fast forward Okay. It's the opposite of the Wayne's World sound effect of uh, what are you drinking, Timer's reference. What are you drinking? I am drinking uh, simply water right now. Even though I'm in a low carb diet for this back to back episodes we're recording, because we're recording the Marvel uh, movie madness episode back to back with this one, uh, I'm drinking a one pint eight fluid ounce of a uh, Kirin Ichiban. I'm sure it blows my carb load for the day, but I've been uh, losing weight and settling out. I don't know. I don't care. I'm a little person. Not not as in a midget, but I'm five foot five. I'm short. Um, <laughs> I almost forgot we were talking about Highlander the Source. Um, I'm sure we are. Yeah, so uh, Duncan McLeod and his mortal wife, Anna reach the area of the source and Anna has to sort of watch from afar as uh, Duncan and um, the Guardian fight and you know at this point they're both mortal so it's an actual Highlander fight in which I guess there's a bit more danger in it than normal this fight scene seems to go on forever but then at a random point something very cartoonish happens the Guardian starts running and starts uh, standing in place and starts uh, spiraling like a top and buries himself in the sand and so his head is only st- sticking out of the sand. And he says, uh, kill, kill me, kill me, Highlander. Kill me, Immortal. You must kill me now. But because uh, Duncan McLeod listened to the story from the Elder at the beginning of the film, he knows if he kills the, uh, the Guardian, Guardian, he'll, he'll become... become the yeah, right. He'll become the next Guardian. Uh, I thought and, so. Uh-huh. And so he resists that and, and goes... Um, with his human wife, Anna Tashemka. I like Tashemka. That sounds like a brand of sausage. Tashemka sausage. Delicious. Fresh from the old country. The immortal link in your diet. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> Make your breakfast a quickening. <laughs> he wants to cook forever. Tashemka instant sausages. Just add water. We'll add the flavor. Oh, we, we, we're going to have to come up with graphics for this thing. Yeah. Highlander fans, if you got any great graphics for Tashemka sausages, you can send them, uh, just post it to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast, or send us an email at sequelcast at gmail.com. Uh, so, in addition to that uh, bit with the Tashemka sausages, which is far more entertaining than Highlander the Source, so Duncan I've been told, comes to... Uh, the area of the source kind of bathed in this light and he's followed there by uh, his mortal wife and, and the prize for reaching the source is that the immortal becomes mortal for good and uh, she reveals that he's pregnant so he impregnated her he's able to have a, a child for real but, but wait they had sex before all this yes but they were getting closer so I guess maybe his penis was was mortal but the rest of him was not <laughs> 
the sperm the, the sperm lay dormant in her body and then was activated. By I like that song. idea. Sperm activate one hundred percent. Stay on target. Stay on target. Yeah, it's uh, it's horrible. Yeah, it is. It's a very un- and then the movie just kind of ends. Uh, to add insult to injury, throughout the film, you get covers of uh, Princes of the Universe and uh, Who Wants to Live Forever by Queen by another band. Which band? Uh, I don't know. How should I be? Um, they, they sound okay, but only Queen can really do Queen. Yeah. I, I, I don't even think it's like when Queen had Paul Rogers as the lead vocalist for a year or so, because it's not that. It's a completely different kind of style to the song. Um so, I mean, with this film, it was in development for a long time. They wanted to make Highlander the source immediately after Endgame, but Endgame was not as popular as they hoped it would be. Um, this came out, Sci-Fi Channel, in the U.S. in 2007, although it played some film festivals before that. Uh, there was apparently originally a producer's cut that was like 15 minutes longer. That would have been a lot cooler, that the producers swore it would, uh, would be released, but never did. Um, I think even though Highlander has like a crazy fan base... Or I mean, enthusiastic fan base. Yeah, I would say I wouldn't say crazy. I would say devoted. Yeah, very devoted fan base. So I'm I'm sure this sold well, but it, we haven't seen Highlander: The Source Two or whatever they'd call the sequel to this. So, but there is a Highlander. To uh, the there's a Highlander sort of like reboot in development though, um, which they don't really. They've gone through a few different directors. They've gone through a few different scripts. They want to get moving on it, but. Um, they just got to find the right take on it. It's, uh, yeah, there's a few different rumored titles for it as well, but again, nothing's official. So I, I'd rather not say more about that. But I, I think Highlander is ripe for a reboot or a remake. I mean, I think with modern day special effects, you could have some, finally, some really, really awesome looking quickening sequences. Uh, and, uh, just the formula of romance and history and action and sex is really interesting. And the concept between the Highlander franchise is very strong. They just never execute upon it extremely well. They seem to never have enough money to do it and don't have the script that's ever quite there. Um, any other questions you have about Highlander the Source? Or are you going to move on to some spinoffs? I, I don't... I guess, I guess I, I've... I've... I've had the source described to me thoroughly enough. Okay. Um, so and as we mentioned, a, I don't on. know what they would have done with the child. I guess yeah, that's true. Like, what? Do you, how do you continue this if you've made the main character mortal? So, like we said, this was meant to be the first part of a trilogy. Maybe the curse would be that his child was ironically immortal. I guess. But it, you couldn't have like Highlander babies. I guess that'd be stupid. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the thing is that they're actually in danger. And, yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck you do with this concept. Because, God, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they travel to Zeist, and it's like Highlander the Source Zeist Quest. <laughs> oh, fuck Sounds it. like a Sierra game. And Zeist Quest 2, Mr. Duncan goes to the Planet of the Apes to discover there's a lot of killer plants. And he has to fight Vorbon the decrepit. Well, then in the third one, you have to catch a cat so that you can disguise yourself as a... So you can make a fake mustache to disguise yourself as a man who doesn't have a mustache so that you can rent a moped. 
that's a Gabriel Knight reference for the computer <laughs> game nerds. Uh, okay. They are. They already know. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a fun spinoff uh, video game sequel cast? I could see us doing it. We've talked about doing a video game special episode for quite some time. We have. I don't know if this is going to morph into that episode, but uh, uh, no, that, that would be should, a coup, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Mutates into a, another spinoff series. Uh, <laughs> so let's step back from Highlander, the source, and kind of talk about the spinoffs. As I mentioned, they had TV series. Uh, so, I mean, a, a little bit before Highlander 3 came out, you had Highlander, uh, the series. And which was on the air from uh, 92 until 98. You had six seasons, 119 episodes. Had a good run. A very long run. Um, you know, I had friends in middle school that loved this series. Me too. I, uh, I didn't really get into it, though. I mean, like, it was syndicated. It was on at weird times. And I didn't know how to program a VCR, or I felt like I would have been intimidated and confused. And... Um, Although in the in the U.S. at least, if you have a Hulu Plus membership, you and they're not sponsors. I'm just saying this: you can watch the entire Highlander live action series, all six seasons, streaming uh, on there as part of their programming. Um, and, and, and I've watched about half a dozen episodes of season one, and all of those episodes seem fairly standalone. But I understand it kind of has more story arcs uh, as it goes on. Um, Adrian Paul, you know, stars as Duncan McLeod. Uh, Christopher Lambert was originally offered to play Connor McLeod, and the series was going to focus on him, but Christopher Lambert turned it down because uh, he's more of a film actor. Um, and at that time, you know, being on being an actor on television kind of had a stigma. Although the pilot episode starred Christopher Lambert as a co-star for the episode, and it's kind of a passing of the baton, which makes or the end game. Oh uh, yeah, or the, the sword passing of the quickening. Uh, and the bad guy in that pilot episode was called Slan Quince. Do you think that's a sci-fi reference, naming him Slan? Uh, what would it be a reference to? Well, the, the novel, uh, the novel Slan, which it, it, it's uh, it, it was a, a cult work of science fiction. Uh, the name of the author escapes me, but I'm sure I'm sure you're looking it up on Wikipedia right now. But it was about it was about these people called Slan or Slan, depending on you know who, who's reading it out loud. Who basically they they were humans taking an evolutionary leap. They like you know, were developing you know some some powers and whatnot. Little you know a little bit beyond beyond the human. Yeah, Slan is a novel by uh, science fiction author A. E. Van Vaught. Vaught. I believe it's Van Vo. Van Vo, um, from nineteen forty six. So. Um, that has to be that sort of a reference, I imagine. Um, you know, some of the seasons of uh, Highlander were a bit shorter than others. Uh, so, I mean, do you remember any episodes of the series? Not, I don't remember any episodes specifically. Like, the, the ones, I, I'll admit, I did not watch too much of Highlander the series that was originally on the air. Most of what I saw, I saw in reruns on the Sci-Fi channel in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and the the ones that always stick in my mind are, uh, are, are the ones where they flash back to World War II, because the show did jump around and I don't just, for, for, whatever, for whatever reason, urban fantasy mixed with World War II always really resonated with me. Yeah, there's an episode early on in season one that has an actor I enjoy very much who sadly is dead. Uh, 
oh, uh, let me look up his name. It shows you how much I enjoy him. Um, you might be able to think of his name, Thrasher. Uh, he's a tall, gangly Italian actor. Like it's <laughs> like it's it's Vincent Chevelli or something like that. Oh yes. He was the biology teacher in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hmm. What are we talking about? He anyway, Vincent Chiavelli. Okay, yeah, you'd recognize him if you saw him, but uh, he's he's dead now. Sadly, he died in two thousand five, so uh, quite some time ago. But he was an actor on an episode of Highlander the series, in which you had the um, he played a Vietnam vet that was homeless that witnessed a quickening and kind of went crazy. And uh, it's just like a very weird kind of episode. I mean, a lot of you could see the budget in a lot of these episodes wasn't so great, but it had some interesting uh, fight choreography with the swords. Um, and, and you had computer effects on a TV show, too, which was very unusual for the time. I mean, well, they were, they were early computer effects, but they, the yep. one thing that I do have to applaud the Highlander television series with is that they they made the most out of what they had. I mean, you can see every dollar on the screen. Right. And also, um, if you've seen the show in the U.S. compared to the European version, the European version of some episodes has more nudity and that sort of stuff. And uh, the version they've released on DVD of Highlander, the series, is the uh, uncut version. Um, Good so that, that's always interesting for people that like uh, nipple shots or ass shots. And I do. Nipples on the ass, that's your favorite? Nipples on your ass. And it makes the horrid shank of unbraided hair at the tip of your penis spring forth. That sounds like a H.R. Geiger painting. Well, no, it's a sketch from Mr. Show with Bob and David. We are now talking about different TV shows. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, we mentioned some of the characters from Highlander, the source, and Endgame, or from the series, not just Duncan McCloud, but Joe and uh, Mythos. And Joe doesn't come in until season two, and Mythos comes in sometimes around season three, but those are real fan-favorite characters. Uh the Highlander TV series had a spinoff called the Highlander Raven. Uh, The Raven. And you had a whole bunch of episodes of um, the, I think like the final series, the final season of the Highlander series where you had all sorts of like uh, female immortals and that was meant to test fan reaction to see which one would star in The Raven. Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess you could see they were they were planning ahead for the future. Uh, yep. But at the same time, backdoor pilots are never that good. Right, and it was sort of like a series of different backdoor pilots for a majority of that final season of Highlander, which got a lot of fans pretty upset. Uh, but Highlander the Raven, you know, only lasted for like a season. It was on from 98 to 99. So it didn't did not take off like they wanted it to. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it and, really and, you know, it's, passed I think the idea was, like, Highlander meets, like, Xena, right? You know, it's kind of do an action fantasy show with a female lead. More of a female focus. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen it. They did release it on DVD eventually. Um, and speaking of which, 
None of the Highlander uh, TV series, whether the original or Raven, has come out in the U.S. and Blu-ray yet, although they've come out with most of it on Blu-ray in Europe, where Highlander is more popular. I have a feeling once the Highlander reboot uh, movie comes out, they'll be releasing that stuff over here. Maybe sooner. Who knows? Well, I'm, I'm sure there'll, there'll be plenty of tie-ins. I'm sure there'll be a new comic book series that'll tie in with it if it gets off the ground. Yeah, there was actually a, uh, a video game of Highlander uh, in the works for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3. Now, that could be pretty damn cool. There was a, a trailer for it that I posted on... Uh, facebook.com slash sequel cast or uh, facebook page and in the trailer you know it, it looked really cool i think it was almost close to being done they worked it for four or five years on it and whatever reason i maybe the company that made it went out of business i don't know it just never came out but you had people from the tv show writing it it was like supposed to take place in different periods of history including like roman time rome ancient rome times and present day and post-apocalyptic future all this crazy stuff so, and think about a video game. Different levels, different settings, different characters, all sorts of different fight moves and stances. I mean, come on. It, it tells itself. Yeah, it would be it would be pretty damn fun. I mean, the, and, we, and we've talked about this before, I really liked the way the, uh, the, way the Ghostbuster video game turned out, the most, most recent one. Highlander is a property from the 80s that I think you could make a truly great video game out of. Uh, I, you know, as, as, as long as you respect the source material. Right. But I it's mean, a franchise that will not die. Uh, speaking of other, like, Highlander franchises, uh, for two seasons there is Highlander the Animated Series. Oh, which, yeah. Which uh, you can watch the entire thing in the U.S. on Netflix Watch Instantly as of May 2012. This was another one where they, they, they went from uh, urban fantasy into science fiction with a post-apocalyptic future. Right, and it's set up with... Uh, I think even before the series started, they came out with a videotape called Highlander Animated Series The Beginning that kind of spelled out the backstory. But the first episode um, of the series that's on Netflix Watch Instantly doesn't explain the backstory at all, except for during 30 seconds of the show's uh, theme song sequence. So it, it's very sort of confusing. But the idea is there's a nuclear war. All the immortals swear not to fight each other, except there's one guy that wants to fight stuff called Cortan. And, uh, what? He has a K in the name. So he does a, have a K a... in the name. Yep. And uh, then several years later, there's a, a, a guy named Quentin McLeod who's defending his people from part of Cortan's slaver army. And you have the character Ramirez from the movie um, in there, and he looks like an animated Sean Connery, which is pretty amusing. He's kind of the mentor mm-hmm. of the series. I just saw the first episode of this that was on a Netflix watch instantly. Uh, there wasn't a lot of sword fighting. Uh, I think the, the art style looked kind of ugly. It wasn't really my thing. But uh, does it get better, or what did you think, Thrasher? Well, uh, I I didn't see... I, I, I saw... I... I I don't know how much of the series I ever actually saw when it was on. Uh, it was it was decent. Uh, the, the writing was quite good, although the animation wasn't up quite up to snuff of the standard set by uh, Batman the animated series and a couple of the other uh, more recent animated offerings at the time. One thing that I remember that really stood out was the idea that in this series, Immortals uh, 
you immortals could voluntarily give up their essence, their immortal essence. They could do a thing where they could grasp swords, and rather than having to cut someone off and do a quickening, there was just a quickening effect, and you, you sort of absorbed it. And I actually thought that was a... I th actually thought that was a neat idea. And I to the point where I wish it had been incorporated into some of the other Highlander works, where if, a, where if an immortal was tired of the game, they could just give up their immortality to another immortal, just kind of surrender in that way. Hmm. I mean, you did have sort of that meditation chamber in Highlander Endgame, but... You're right. I think the idea of being able to surrender their immortality makes a bit more sense. Oh, and another thing, because uh, this was uh, in the United States, uh, this series this series was broadcast on the USA Network, which okay. had launched several uh, animated which had launched several animated series at the time. It was trying to before the Cartoon Network, it was trying to become Cable's hub for original animation. Yeah, I mean, USA Network, it had a cartoon based on several video games like Wing Commander, Commander Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, but uh, the, th the, the comic Savage Dragon, right? But the, th one? the thing is, as a result, uh, there, there, was a cr there was a crossover between multiple series involving like a dimension-hopping Viking. And as I recall, huh. Highlander the Animated Series was part of that crossover. Crazy. Yeah, I, I vaguely, vaguely remember the commercials for that. Uh, one more Highlander spinoff we can touch on is a Highlander Search for Vengeance was a direct-to-DVD uh, anime, uh, meaning, you know, Japanese animation, uh, cartoon, uh, directed by Yoshiaki Kawajiri, who directed things like Ninja Scroll and Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. But it was written by, the script was written by David Abramowitz, who wrote for Highlander, uh, the TV series, for several episodes and so forth. Um... And it's animated by Madhouse Studio, which did animation for things like Death Note and Trigun and stuff. So they're pretty well known. Um, did Did you see this? I rented this quite a while ago. No, my friend, my friend uh, Michelle Zuck, uh, now Yunker, who I've been, who I've actually wanted to get on the show before. She is a tremendous Highlander fan. Uh, and she got that DVD the moment it came out, and she she really likes it, uh, both because it's you know Highlander, but also she's a tremendous fan of Vampire Hunter D and a lot of the studio's work. So it was sort of the perfect film for her. Uh, I had the opportunity to buy it and or to, not buy it to borrow it from her for whatever reason. I didn't jump on that because it is it is one of the few more recent Highlander uh, properties that I have been interested in seeing, if only because you could do some amazing things translating the Highlander franchise into the hyperkinetics of anime. Sure, and not only that, I mean, you know, with animation, you don't really have to worry about the budget. You have to worry much. about pencil mileage. Well, pencil mileage, but, I mean, you can let your imagination really run free for a lot less money in animation uh, than with live action. And, uh, and this one, the main character is Colin McLeod. Um, as is the case with most of the Highlander films, there's two different cuts. They originally made a different cut for the American market that was um, 10 minutes shorter than the Japanese cut. But later, that Japanese director's cut was uh, released in the U.S. as well. Um, and the differences are like cuts for that take away things of the story because they wanted the American version to be faster paced. Um, you get scenes in history ranging from uh, from like ancient Rome or from from Britain in Roman times being conquered by the Romans you get some stuff with Stonehenge you get stuff in uh, 
with Nazi Germany, you get biplane fights, you get stuff from the future with robots, all this crazy stuff. I just remember it had a fairly exciting story and uh, seemed to capture sort of the fun and kind of craziness that was in the original Highlander movie, even though it's original story. Um, so I'd recommend it. I haven't seen it in a while. I wasn't able to track it down in time to watch it, but I thought Highlander Search for Vengeance was pretty good. Excellent. Well, I, mean, I guess it is, and that, and that is the most recent Highlander property, correct? Mm. Let's see. So this came out in uh, June 2007. Mm-hmm. Highlander the Source came out September 2007. So the, the so- Highlander the Source is slightly newer than Search for Vengeance. Well, it's still kind of a high note to end the series on. Yeah, yeah. A search for vengeance is certainly not the source. Uh, okay, so since you didn't get the source, we're, since you didn't watch it, yes. you can't give it a rating. But I will give Highlander. Oh, I still could. But okay, it well, be okay. Fair. Let's give let's give it a rating. Then we'll give a rating for this franchise overall, and then play some of our famed sequel cast games. Uh, Highlander: The Source overall, I, th- I think, is a real poor way to cap off the series as far as the movies go. It looks cheap. It feels cheap. It even smells cheap. And the story is convoluted and doesn't really go anywhere. I give it half a star out of five stars. Thrasher. Based on the description, what would you give Highlander the source? I would probably... I, judging by what you've told me, and this is completely unethical as a critic, but I would say uh, I would probably give it two stars, and its saving grace would be that it's so short. Mm. There's That's not enough fair. of it to make me more upset. That's a fair point. Um, overall, out of five stars, I would give the Highlander franchise, I, I would say like three and a half. And I know I've been giving a lot of these franchises overall ratings at three and a half. It's just really tough when you're going through so many films. Um, I, I love, I enjoy Highlander 1, Highlander 3, and Highlander 4, uh, Endgame. I think those are a lot of fun. I think the concept is so strong, it kind of carries over some of the weaker entries uh, in the franchise. Thrasher? <sighs> the franchise, it, it's such a big, sprawling franchise. I... I I really don't th- the whole the franchise in total. As much as I love the concept and I love where it comes from, uh, it's so big and the bad parts drag the good parts down. I think I'd only give it a, the franchise as a whole a three. Okay, so now we're gonna play uh, pitch a sequel in which <laughs> sequel uh, we pretend the there's a, what a sequel to the franchise. Why not? Since they're actually doing a reboot as the next film, presumably, uh, let's pitch a Highlander reboot. You know, and you can use stuff from the past films or not. It could be a remake, whatever. My pitch would be is um, you would do the typical Highlander formula, but you would tell the story, I think, chronologically, so you kind of grow with the character over time, and it would make the story a bit easier to follow. And, um, I, I'm not sh- you know, maybe someone like Gerard Butler could play the, um, titular role of the Highlander, of Connor McLeod. Mm-hmm. 
maybe like a Gerard Butler at Thrasher spilling his CDs on the floor. No, no, that was a bottle cap from a uh, a bottle of juice, delicious, wholesome, fresh juice. Okay, uh, so I think it would be, yeah, I'd say maybe like Gerard Butler, or um, maybe if you had him work out a bit, the. The actor that was in X-Men First Class that played Professor X mm-hmm. might be an interesting sort of different off-kilter choice as Connor McCloud. And as a Kurgan, as the bad guy, you need someone big and imposing. And I think The Rock would be could be hilarious and menacing uh, <laughs> if uh, done correctly. Mm-hmm. Imposing presence. Um, so what would you pitch as a Highlander um, reboot or, uh, or remake, whatever? I... I wouldn't pitch a reboot remake. I would pitch a. I would pitch the apotheosis of the franchise. It would be called Highlander: The One, where all the protagonists from all the Highlander movies, including <laughs> multiple versions of the original McCloud from multiple timelines established oh, wow. by the continuities of, of one, two, three, and four in the film yeah. franchise. Uh, all those, all those people and all those characters who won the prize or would have won the prize are all pulled out of the space-time continuum to this sort of battle world where all the incarnations of the Highlander have to re-fight each other. So would to, you use computer graphics to recreate younger versions of uh, Christopher Lambert? Um, I would find some unknowns uh, to play the younger versions of him. Hmm. But I would have Christopher Lambert. Uh, back as at least one of his characters, one of yeah. his Quinn or Collins or whoever, the, whatever the hell McCloud he played. <laughs> okay, it's Connor McCloud or the Clan McCloud. Yeah, and then the winner of that prize kind of becomes this celestial guardian angel doing something outside of space time to keep balance in the universe. Hmm. Pretty interesting. Uh, now uh, I've been wondering, Thrasher, what you watching? This is our segment, uh, Watch You Watching, in which we talk about, you know, pieces of, whether it's film or book or TV show, some piece of media that we've uh, consumed over the past week. Well, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't consume media. I experience it. And uh, recently, I've been re-watching the first season of the new Battlestar Galactica uh, oh. television series. Have you seen it before? Yes, yes. I have seen the entire series before. Okay. Uh, yeah. I've seen... So it's a series that must be different if you go back to the first season knowing some of the identities of the Cylons. Kind of, but but without having... To, well, you know, it is different, because without having to worry about, oh, who's really who, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of more subtle things you can pick up on once you're no longer worried about which Cylon identities you might need to unravel. Hmm. And it's not... Uh, entirely, and although it's not entirely for my own enjoyment, I'm uh, I'm running a Battlestar Galactica LARP at the Origins Game Fair uh, next month. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. At the end of this month, I just noticed that the calendar turned over as I was speaking, uh, and uh, <laughs> that being May, uh, and that this is this is in part research for that. You know, um, I watched a part of, I think, like the season finale of season one of the new Battlestar Galactica series recently at my dad's house because I was trying to was showing to him that uh, all of that series is on Netflix Watch Instantly in the United States. And, um, yeah, my wife and I have seen that whole series. And I, I, I think still season one is one of the best seasons of that show. And I, I don't think the show really gets bad, but I think season two in particular 
and some of season three meanders a bit as far as the overall story arcs. Um, I want to talk about the ending of the series. I don't know if that's fair for people that haven't seen it. Well, you know, maybe maybe we should do a, a special packed bonus episode. We could do a special on Battlestar. Maybe a ten ten minute, fifteen minute bonus episode packed with spoilers. Yeah. Uh, so what I saw was a I was just browsing around on Netflix, not know what to do. You've now mentioned uh, it three times. Uh, Netflix. Yeah, uh, they're not a sponsor, but um, yeah, okay. I mentioned them way too much on SequelCast. Visit our <laughs> yeah. website at SequelCast.com. Uh, I watched a documentary directed by Alexandre O'Philippe called The People vs. George Lucas. Oh, I, I've been meaning to see that. Yeah, that, that recently popped up on Netflix. Watch instantly. Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. And um, uh, they interview people ranging from David Prowse, who was the man in the Darth Vader suit for the uh, the older, the classic trilogy of Star Wars films, and I thought, um, I don't know, this documentary disappointed me, but I mean, I've been following Star Wars fandom pretty closely for at least 15 years, so I didn't feel like I learned anything new. It has views from both professionals and like fan submitted stuff from YouTube, and it uses a lot of clips from uh, Star Wars fan films. And it's an interesting overview of the fan film. Uh, Movement, and you get stuff both in support and against him. Um, you know, mainly the controversy of special editions doing multiple cuts of your own film, but not letting the older cuts be released. It's certainly a very interesting topic. Um, you know, that it came out before the Blu-ray release that had even more changes. I have a feeling there might be a sequel to uh, People vs. George Lucas in the works, even though I have no proof of that. Uh, and also, they don't get to talk to anyone officially from Lucasfilm. They don't talk to George Lucas. It's um, kind of a shame. I think so, too. And, you know, they, they made multiple interview requests and couldn't get them. Uh, so that's kind of sad. They do talk to Kevin Rubio, who uh, wrote and directed a fan film, uh, you know, possibly one of the first popular Star Wars fan films in the Internet age called Troops which is like cops with stormtroopers on top Oh, it's a classic fan It's video. great, right. And I mean, since then, Kevin Rubio has done Star Wars comics and has even written for the Clone Wars series, uh, the Very CG cool. uh, Clone Wars series for some episodes. So they talk to him. And uh, they also talk about fan edits, where, you know, uh, fans will, will take a film and recut it themselves and then release it online, which uh, certainly, and I want to make this very clear, is not legal. There's no way that's legal. But it's a very interesting practice. You know? I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, I don't particularly care about the legality. They're, they're taking... And the big place where you can see fan edits is at fanedit.org. It is the main uh, hosting site for all this stuff. I mean, just something like the Star Wars movie. It says like five million fucking edits. And some of the stuff... And the argument you can make is, well, I can take a movie, cut out a second, call it the wacky tobacco cut, and, and stick it on the site, you know. You, but, you could, but there's no artistic merit in that. Uh, no. But there are plenty of people who are honestly trying to to hone the films. Uh, now, I think the original trilogy is about as close to perfect as you can get, uh, despite a handful of flaws in uh, Return of the Jedi. I do see a lot of benefit of, of re-editing the new trilogy. I, I, those films can certainly be tightened up. 
Right. I mean, the, the level of fan edits people have done is pretty pretty nuts. Uh, I'm looking right now. There's a guy on fanedit.org called Bionic Bob. Made cut different cuts of all the different uh, the original series Star Trek movies, including a darker, more somber version of Star Trek V called mm. Star Trek The Other Eden. Um, so... It's uh, yeah, pretty. Not even even fans make all these crazy special effects too. Like it's pretty crazy the level <laughs> some of this stuff uh, goes to. So <laughs> there's even a cut called the Postmaster, the Expedited Edition. Interesting. Yes. Does it just cut directly to the closing credits? <laughs> no, I, I wish that'd be pretty crazy. So. We've talked a lot about a lot of different things on this uh, Highland- little of all Highlander of this episode in which we covered Highlander the Source and their spinoffs. Uh, next week on the sequel cast, we are going to be doing a special episode about the uh, Marvel uh, fan film. Or, what am I fan talking film. about? No. Uh, it's going to be called the Marvel Movie Roundup in which Thrasher and I talk about some of our favorite and least favorite Marvel movies, whether theatrical or made for TV, over the years kind of to tie into the Avengers coming out in theaters. Uh, the Avengers has already been, and by the time the episode comes out, the Avengers will have already been out. So, um, any closing thoughts of the Highlander franchise, Thrasher? Well, we thought there could be only one, but it turns out there's about a dozen. Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's about my a dozen. humbling attempted wit. Very good. Um, and also, the week following the release of the sequel cast special episode will be uh, releasing the first uh, sequel commentary episode on Smokey and the Bandit 3. We tried to release these commentaries on Bandcamp, nobody bought them, so we sort of trashed the Bandcamp idea, but it's another spinoff series of the sequel cast. Sequel commentaries. So that's fun, too. Um, and what what is the movie series we're going to do after those few weeks you know i don't know i know uh, I, i've we we have well, let's been... let me pull up the calendar we'll talk shop as the audience listens um interesting now you're getting some some real insight into the process because i know i i know because it's been on my mind because the summer convention season is starting up doing so to the... give you an idea of when these would be recorded the next one of these would be recorded on the 23rd and the 30th of may So where does that put you? Are you going to be on the road? Uh, I will be. I'm going to be on the. Uh, I'm going to be on the road uh, the last two weeks of uh, this month. It so doesn't mean I'll be. Yes. It doesn't mean I'll be away from the internet, but I'm going to have a lot of a lot of responsibilities at these conventions with the events I'm running and the things I'm coordinating. So I will. Uh, I I could make time to do it to to record, but it, those times might be very awkward. Okay, well, we'll have to work that out, but maybe we could just do, like, a, a two-episode series and do Dungeons & Dragons, finally. I know, we have talked about that. There's also a sick part of me that thinks we should do the Care Bear movies. How easy are those to find, though? I have no idea. I think I've only the enough. second one is on Netflix. I, I don't think all of them have even been released. I mean, that's... Something to take into consideration, too. We can talk about that later. It would be folks. something odd to do, you know? Yeah. Um, 
All right. So, um, for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And <laughs> this is Thrasher. Sane. There can only be one. Uh, go to sequelcast.com or sequelcast or uh, facebook.com slash sequelcast to check us out or look us up on iTunes. Please, please leave a review. We like those. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You can hear SequelCast while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear SequelCast, you have a chance to win some money. Downloading is quick and easy, just find Stitcher in the App Store. Download it, it's free, and takes just a few seconds. Then, during registration, hit the promo code box and enter SequelCast to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episode of the show will always be waiting for you in your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand, no syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter the promo code SequelCast when you register. Just go to stitcher.com slash SequelCast.